Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Ren Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Weinbray, we're joined again by returning guest hey, Ava Foxport to discuss the second book in the Deptford Mice series by Robin Jarvis, The Crystal Prison, 1989. There's a transcript at the link, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! Good evening, Adam. Good evening. And good evening, Ava, who is sitting right next to me. Hi, Ren, who's Hi. sitting right next to me. I've never recorded in the same physical space as someone for this podcast before, so Ooh. this is very exciting. Um, sorry, Adam. <laughs> are, you, are you sat tucked up together, or are you at other ends of the room? Or at other ends of an extremely long dining table. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you could just pass the salt. And uh, a, a servant is ferrying between us with a microphone <laughs> on roller skates. And we're here to talk about the second book in the Deptford Mice series, uh, The Crystal Prison, written and illustrated by Robin Jarvis from 1989 as well. as The first one's also from 1989. I don't know quite how that works, but there you go. For the first time, we are doing this series in order, so check out last month's episode for our discussion of the Dark Portal. But unlike the Dark Portal, which mostly took place in the sewers under Deptford, the Crystal Prison mostly takes place in the countryside, in uh, the uh, Country Mouse Twit's home field of Fennywold. So you'll feel right at home with this. Adam. I don't live in a field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you build a you build a hole of corn in <laughs> every summer you every go summer. and you climb up to the thing and you build a little nest and you get the moss and you lay it out. Yeah. But um before before we get to Fennywold and the countryside, um we have the uh, matter of Jupiter's corpse to deal with. You get the, uh, the, 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 I guess, satisfying um, conclusion of Jupiter's earthly body um, <laughs> as a, he takes an unceremonious journey through the sewers out into the Thames and then flooded onto a building site to be discovered by a builder. Um, <laughs> the corpse all eaten up and buzzing with flies yeah. yeah and the builder just sets fire to it like i feel like that's not <laughs> the protocol <laughs> like, like, like surely you find like a large rotten dead cat and you you call health and safety yeah i don't reckon it's the first time he did something like that <laughs> prominent cat burner I think it is really interesting that it just like really, really wants to seal the deal and be clear. Like Jupiter's definitely dead, apart from a cloud <laughs> of smoke emerging from there. Yeah, um, I'll just read a little description. It says uh, uh, the builder who had found him hurried away quickly, but soon returned, dragging behind him a great shovel caked in cement. With a grunt, he lifted the sagging corpse into the air. Jupiter's massive claws dangled limply over the sides of the shovel. And what was left of his striped ginger fur blazed ruddily in the sunlight. He is a dead cat. <laughs> um, um, so, I was trying to do a quick plot summary of this book, and it just, it just, it just wouldn't happen. It just kept getting longer and longer. Um, a lot happens. A lot happens in this book. It is interesting that, like, a lot happens. It doesn't have... So, you may remember from the last podcast that we were jumping all over the place because the narrative jumps all over the place to several different lines. And in this, it's not doing that at all, or significantly less, at least. And, like, there is just one through narrative. But but lots is happening all of the time. 
Yeah. I think there's also a lot more in the way of, well, I guess, character interaction or characters at cross-purposes, characters with different agendas uh, and different feelings about other characters, mm. right? Yeah, it's a feelsier book, isn't it? Um, although not all of those feelings are particularly pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's structurally very much... It's kind of a folk horror, right? Mm. Like, mm. people from outside the folk community come into this community and uh, come up against some old traditional ways and uh, that there are suspicious feelings on both sides. And on that tree there was a limb, and on that limb there was a branch, and on that branch there was a nest, and in that nest there was an egg, and in that egg there was a bird, and from that bird a feather came, and of that feather was a I was kind of expecting more of that, but like it, the, the the Fennywalders aren't like the most united of people. Like I was kind of expecting it to be full Wicker Man, and like everyone was involved in exactly the same kind of thing. And it seems a bit more complex than that. Mm. Well, so after we've um, seen with our own eyes that Jupiter is definitely dead, um, come to um, back to to Deptford and after the events of the Dark Portal the albino mouse Oswald is dying um, and uh, as he's laying on his deathbed Audrey is um, summoned by Thomas Triton Midship Mouse <laughs> Summoned by him to come and meet an ancient squirrel called the Star Wife. And uh, the Star Wife reveals that she's found Madame Akikuyu lost and raving, and that Audrey has to take her to the countryside and stay with her forever, um, in exchange for which the Star Wife will save Oswald's life. Um, just, just to bring up here, like this is Star Wife the Astrology Squirrel. Star Wife the Astrology Squirrel, yes. Sorry? Um. <laughs> Star Wife the Astrology Squirrel, who lives under Greenwich Telescope. We all, we've all, we all remember the Star Wife, right? <laughs> just, I, think, I just think it's quite strange that, like, yeah, in this book that has so many different bits in it, just to be introduced to this kind of, like, wizened old squirrel who looks through telescopes and finds magic in the stars and pours it into bags and yeah i don't know i just love it <laughs> i just like it i'm just well up for it i, I thought the star wife sounds like something out of like a glam rock or a prog song really <laughs> the star wife <laughs> under greenwich tower um etc sorry we'd like to come and meet her and see her telescopic power <laughs> Ooh. um Anyway, Audrey, uh, Madame Akikuyu, well, they, 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 they heal Oswald. Oswald's fine. Yeah. Um, Oswald's fine, but only on the condition that Audrey is, like, exiled from her home and made to follow a rat that she doesn't like. Yeah, yeah. If she, um, if she breaks her promise, then Oswald will, will, will die. Um, I reckon that's a lie. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're underestimating um, the star wife there. She's just a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> just a squirrel with a telescope at the end of the day <laughs> um, yeah. no I won't I wouldn't say that to her face <laughs> she'd throw her stick at you yeah you would definitely, would definitely get, my, get sticked by the star one. <laughs> um, Audrey Madamakikuyu Audrey's brother Arthur and Twit travel to Fennywold Twit's home field um, and pretty much as soon as they arrive Madamakikuyu fights off an owl um, that has been terrorising the area. Like, it's pretty full on. Yeah. Like, just a couple of kids are hanging out by the tree and they get trapped by the owl and they're all going to get gored and one of them's getting trapped and they're chased along and then just suddenly the rat leaps on the owl and, yeah. And making a lot of kind of sassy one-liners as she goes, kind of <laughs> in a sort of Arnold Schwarzenegger action film kind of way. <laughs> Um, and the owl's name is uh, 
Ava. Adele's name is Mahout. <laughs> Mahout. Uh, which does, I don't know if you noticed, but it does have three O's <laughs> um, throughout. The owl definitely is called Mahout. Um, so, yeah, Fennywald declares her a hero, sort of lifts her up on their shoulders and go, and Audrey and Arthur are like, oh, okay. Oh, we thought she was trouble. Yeah, yeah. But um, they kind of settle into Fennywald. And she, she's very um, pleased for her newfound veneration. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's very happy. Um, we haven't mentioned, but it's um, Audrey uh, describes her as having lost her mind after the events of uh, the Dark Portal. Um, but it's hard because like, I remember in, with the Dark Portal I was saying that like there was definitely hints of someone who was um, wanting to be redeemed or like had had hints of possibilities of being redeemed if she hadn't been kind of like cursed to generally being treated as a as a, as a miserable rat by various thuggish rats and cat gangsters mm. um so it's I find I found it really sad that like Madame Hakikura is is just like lost all of those memories and is now just being quite earnestly really affectionate about Audrey like doesn't remember anything about Audrey apart from the fact that she saved her at one point and so it's just like oh no you're my little mouselet friend and I'm going to look after you and I'm going to look after your people and Audrey is having none of it and yeah. I do I, I yeah it's sad it's sad yeah, Audrey is not perhaps the most likable character in this. Yeah, despite being like definitely the protagonist, like even more, more so than than the first mm. book. Like it's her story that we're following for for the bulk of this. Um, but she is quite mean. Yeah, it's interesting because we saw hints of that in the first book, um, but I think maybe it's that the kind of faults in her character become more apparent when she's outside of her element or outside of her usual surroundings that surrounded by people she loves and um, she's quite a genial character but then well but she does just tell Piccadilly to screw off when actually they uh, are clearly like dreamily after each other Um, yeah but that's just like the Sunderer kind of yeah. character archetype isn't it Tsundere. okay um yeah i mean she, i guess she is like a teenager who's being forced to go on a she's on a, a kid isn't she? big like. quest that she doesn't want to do so as they're settling into Fennywold, um a conflict um appears in two forms this is alison sedge who is a kind of flirty local mouse who immediately distrusts Audrey as a potential romantic rival. And uh, Isaac Nettle, who is a religious fundamentalist, staunch green mouser. And Audrey um, makes a decorative corn dolly um, to decorate the uh, the hall of corn where they were all sleeping. Alison goes and tells on her to uh, Isaac Nettle, who storms in and declares it an abomination and uh, destroys it. And this is like, Isaac has at this point like already been established as being like an abusive parent um, and a kind of like strongly devoted Protestant work ethic in a way that I find quite, I find it quite jarring to see something that like a very, a very obviously pagan religion being also painted as very like Christian fundamentalist. Mm. From one particular angle, and there's some there's, there's some weird contrasts in the kind of yeah theologically there. Mm. Um, the, the green mouse, the green mouse, really, really wants a lot of suffering and hard work and stuff that doesn't really sound like the green mouse we've seen anywhere else um, in Isaac Nettle's vision of things. And hmm. yeah. But in a way, maybe it makes sense that the religion would take on different local characteristics. But even within Fennywald, it seems like Isaac's an extremist within Fennywald. Yeah. Um, uh, like, possibly possibly we don't see enough to know that for certain, but um, he, get, he gets told off by the, the king of the field quite often. 
Um, and you get feeling that most people have had enough of him. But then everyone is putting up with him and everyone knows that he is um, beating his child Jenkin, um, which is, yeah, it's a horrible, horrible subplot running through the whole thing. It is, and it is rendered quite brutally. Like, yeah. it, it does make for um, disquieting reading, uh, yeah. you know, as well it might. But, um, yeah, I was quite struck by the brutality of that subplot. Mm. If, um, if listeners remember uh, when we talked about the chrysalids Editor's note Season 1, episode 15 It's a, a somewhat similar uh, abusive religious father figure um, as we had in that book It's definitely a very like common like Puritan trope mm-hmm. isn't it I think Um being brought out in Isaac Nettle. Yeah. I don't think it's making any monolithic statements about religion or paganism, per se. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think I'm just digging for those themes and they're not actually there, and I think that that's what's jarring for me a little, okay, is that yeah. like I'm, I'm expecting there to be a bit more congruence between the themes on that level, because it, cause it, cause it comes in right at the beginning. Like there were, I think when I was reading the very first chapters of the um of the dark portal like it was immediately struck by this idea of like yeah this kind of underground paganism versus this kind of cthulhu worshipping rats and like yeah different kinds of folkloric i mean not that cthulhu is not that lovecraft is folklore but i feel like he's attempting to represent some kind of folkloring i mean well he's trying to represent like racism but (laughs) <laughs> that's a different question um yeah i i feel like there, there was some interesting tensions there and they're not really explored possibly because it is a kid's book and <laughs> not um not a kind of meditation on the, the like religious practices of um uh the people of deptford mm. i might be digging for things that aren't there um <laughs> speaking of mystical threats uh madam akikuyu has been hearing a voice that no one else can and uh, one night it reveals itself to be her tattoo that is talking to her. Just a face she has tattooed on her face near her ear. Um, and it claims to be Nicodemus, spirit of the fields, who has become trapped in limbo and whom she must help to free. Um, he, um, he promises to teach her powerful magic to enable her to do so and to demonstrate his power he makes the pieces of the Audrey's torn apart corn dolly come back together and then gives the dolly life um I feel like this would be a good point to read an extract Mm, yeah please um hear me oh brud called out Nicodemus give this image life let sap be as the blood on the straw Pour breath into its empty breast and let stems be as sinew. A deathly silence descended over the whole of Fennywold. The field mice shifted uncomfortably in their soft nests as a shadow passed over the sky. Birds shrank into their feathers as they roosted in the tops of the elms and feared the worst. A hedgehog, it is down of old dry leaves, uh, felt the uh, charged atmosphere and curled himself into a tight ball of spikes. Down came the shadow, thundering from the empty night on the back of the wind. The treetops swayed and the leaves whipped round. The grass in the meadow parted as the force fell upon it and travelled wildly through, flattening and battering everything in its path. It rushed towards the ditch and went howling down into it. Madame Akikuyu stood her ground as the unseen fury tore at her hair and pulled her shawl till it choked, and then all was still. The fortune teller lowered the claws she had raised against a ravaging gale and looked down at the dolly. Command it, said Nicodemus. I, I, she stammered. Who else? It will obey none but you. Madame Akikuyu swept back the hair which had blown over her face and peered up again at the corn dolly. Up, she ordered meekly. One of the grain arms gave a sudden twitch and the rat drew her breath sharply. Up, she said again with more force. 
The straw figure flipped itself over, rustling and crackling. It leant on its arm and jolted itself up until it stood before her. The fortune teller took some steps around the dolly and waved her arms over it just in case someone was tricking her with cotton threads. But no, the corn dolly was alive. Instruct it to bow before you, suggested Nicodemus. Bow, said the rat. With a snapping and splintering, the corn dolly bent over and bowed. <laughs> and there's a there's an illustration there as well, oh, which oh. um you you might not have seen. We were both doing the um using the Kindle version, yeah. but um Ava has the book and um we have um we have Madame Akikuyu, that arm outstretched towards the corn dolly, which is uh sort of raising its its corn arms and um and a quite frightening depiction of Nicodemus on her, on her head. Um, I think it is on 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 her ear. Like so, the whole of her ear just has this horrifically gleeful face on it. <laughs> it doesn't look um, so much like a tattoo as just an, a whole head. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's attached to her. Oh, head. Yeah, it's a bit how to get ahead in advertising. Actually, no, <laughs> look at it there. Um, okay, so. Soon after this, uh, Arthur comes across the body of a young mouse called Hodge in the corn, uh, who's been strangled. Uh, it's Midsummer's Eve and all the mice in Fennyworld go to bed early, all grief-stricken and frightened. But Audrey wakes up hearing a melody and seeing the dried hawthorn blossom that Oswald gave her glowing. She follows it out to the hawthorn grotto and finds all of Fennyworld celebrating in the presence of the green mouse. There's dancing and drinking... Um, the moon herself comes down and turns the, the pond into mead and the green mouse tells her that he'll take care of her while the summer lasts and his power is strong. Um, but come morning, no one else remembers this happening. Uh, and uh, this is about when Nicodemus starts to tell Madame Akikuyu, Akikuyu about the potion she needs to make to free him. The people of Fennywald also ask her to break the dry weather spell. Um, but in order to do the spell, Nicodemus makes her kill a fish and a baby bird. Um, so we've had one. We've had one murder. We've had one corn murder. And um, at this point, we get our second corn murder from um, the young mouse Wartle who narrowly escaped death by owl earlier um, and is murdered by a sinister presence in the corn. Um, it says, Thin, long fingers appeared out the mist and came for him. As he yelled for his life, he felt something tighten around his neck. Fenny! He screamed desperately. Fen! Only the corn stems rustled in reply. Fenny is their watchword to get the, um, uh, to shout in an emergency. Yeah, one of my, my favourite bits of the book, I think. Certainly one of the most sinister. Mm. Um. It's also, I feel like at, at this point, we really genuinely have no clue what, what is going on and what the, what the, the threat is. Um, like, it is, it's unsettling, like, having, having Audrey having a dream that is that real um, at the same time as... Like you know that Audrey's not going to be the murderer, but like there is some of the some of the villagers think that she might be because she had threatened Alison Sedge um, earlier, and just like moments after she threatens to strangle Alison Sedge, someone else shows up strangled, and like it's all played quite mysteriously and with lots of lots of jumping between, and it's yeah, it's uh, mm. yeah, it's eerie. It is. It is really eerie. It does. It does does not quite let you know what's what's happening mark fisher um in the weird and the eerie defines the eerie as absence when there should be presence mm-hmm. which i think is borne out here yeah. that there is a kind of palpable presence in the effects like the bruises left on the necks of the mice who are strangled and yet we don't know precisely who or what is doing the strangling yeah Mm. I mean, I thought it might just be the wind. Like, you know. 
strangled by the wind. Yeah, the wind like gusting up <laughs> um, bit, bits of corn. But oh. I mean that that you know it it'd be quite a coincidence if the wind <laughs> happened to you know gust a noose of corn round several uh, <laughs> necks of mice. I mean, I don't know what happens in the countryside. <laughs> Who knows? Um, it's also interesting in that, like the illustration. There's an illustration of this as well. The hands like reaching out, Ooh, yeah. um, uh, and they are very. Like they, the, the the thing here is that they don't line up with what you kind of expect it to be later on. So I don't know. That's a bit of misdirection. Um, so the same creature goes for Twit, um, and this is when we we sort of get the first idea of what it might be. Um, as he um, as as he comes round from being choked, he says, "All I saw was something that looked." Looked as if it were made totally out of straw. Um, so um, the, the mice of Fanny World begin to suspect Audrey, um, but Audrey has been having this sort of slight flirtation with um, Jenkin Nettle, Isaac Nettle's son, um, and uh, they they have um, they have a moment in which. He proposes to her, and she says, no, you're meant to be with Alison Sedge. Which is something that she's seen in her vision of the Green Mouse. Mm. Um, Yeah, Jenkin and Alison Sedge are uh, uh, getting it on at the party, Mm. and uh, Audrey gets a distinct sense that, like, they are supposed to be together, and, yeah. It's interesting, because up until that point, I I thought they were going to split into a full-on team drama team Jenkin versus team Piccadilly thing with Audrey but they kind of do shoot it down fairly quickly um, which team would you be? I'm team Piccadilly yeah like I, I, feel, I feel for Jenkin but like he's just got a bit besotted as Audrey shows up and is new and exciting I think and mm. yeah represents a way of escaping his quite grim existence um, but um, um, anyway, <laughs> but uh, as they're as they're sharing this moment, the uh, the corn dolly lurches towards them. Um, um, let's read this description. Um, Audrey could not believe her eyes, and Jenkin fell back in fear. The corn dolly she had made was lurching towards them. No longer was it the trim, neat figure she had woven, but a mass of tangled, twisted stems, bent with hatred and evil spells. The arms, which had been pretty corny as had grown long and wild, with spiky fingers which clutched at the air greedily and waved around full of menace. The nightmare figure staggered towards them, its twiggy fingers outstretched, ready to catch them. <laughs> uh, which is um, uh, some proper children's horror there. Um, that's, that's one for the, for, uh, for the record books. Um, <laughs> and some good textures. Oh, yeah! Um, but uh, they're running to escape but um, as they are uh, Mahout the owl swoops down and steals Jenkin away Madame Akiku fights the owl again and the villagers are sort of whipped into a frenzy I'm compressing this a bit so, just because there's so much plot um, and Nicodemus, Nicodemus reveals his final plan to Madame Akikuyu, which is she must throw the mouse without a mouse brass into the fire. Oh, there's Audrey. Um, yeah, we suddenly get introduced to the concept of the green laws, and like it, it, it's implied that the the rules and strictures of the green mouse, so the giving of the mouse brass and and marriage and various other things, like are providing some kind of mystical protection to most of the mice but because Audrey lost her mouse brass uh, anti-cat medallion mm. um, fighting Jupiter she is no longer under protection is currently uh, prey to Nicodemus's um, mischief um, Nicodemus tells Akikuyu that she must have a special mouse brass made and um, she goes to Isaac Nettle who is the mouse brass maker and tries to manipulate him into making one for her. And when he doesn't agree, uh, she does what Nicodemus tells her to and takes him out to the owl's tree. Um, 
for just a moment of just pure horror and just brutal plot twist um she yeah she takes him to the tree and he finds his son's mouse brass sticking out of an owl pellet (laughs) um she says there on the dusty ground was an owl pellet one of those tight little bundles of fur and bones sticking out of it was jenkins mouse brass I guess this is this instalment's equivalent of the hiding under mouse skins in the yeah. first book. Yeah. yeah. Like, I guess, yeah, he really goes there once per book. And I mean, I, you know, I will admit that, you know, if I had a child and they went missing and then I discovered their corpse uh, vomited up um, <laughs> by whatever or whoever had, had eaten them, um, yeah, I'd be quite upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're a sensitive soul, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and, and at this point, Isaac Nettle is breaking down and sort of begging for forgiveness for how he treated Jenkins, but yeah, it's um. Poor it Jenkin. does end up cra- crafting the the hateful mouse yeah. brass as a as a. So it's all been set up by Nicodemus yeah. just to manipulate this. Like all great art, eh, you know, forged out of hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. During all this, uh, Wartle, the last victim of the corn dolly, um, his body still hasn't been found until Alison goes out for a walk and stumbles upon it. Um, all the crowd rush out to her in alarm and they finally see the animated corn dolly. Uh, they know that Audrey made it, so they grab her. But, um, and it, as it comes towards her, she shouts, Stop! And uh, the corn dolly obeys her, which is sort of the final proof to everyone. The that final she's a witch. straw, as it were, uh, of the corn dolly. Um. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, the calls. Uh, they they call out to to burn her. <laughs> or, no, they don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, in, as the Kindle edition would have it, <laughs> they they call to to bum <laughs> um, because through a, an unfortunate error, pro- probably in the transition to an ebook, this edition now has the line. Bum, bum, they repeated excitedly. <laughs> um, I mean, we have to accept it as canon, really, which is a shame, <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? <laughs> um, yeah, Ava's has a... Yeah. The, the PG version. definitely burn, burn. Yeah. I mean, the PG version where they're just... Where they're just burning her Just alive. burning people to, to death <laughs> at the stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um... Yes. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, that 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 far aside. Um, I imagine that like that is quite frustrating if you're reading this and it's like reaching its emotional climax <laughs> yeah. and it's only just like bum bum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe get the uh, get the paper copy of this book if you uh, if you want to avoid <laughs> that that uh. you want the full drama drama it is because it, it, it is a like terrifying climax <laughs> yeah um uh, and yeah i couldn't remember anything of what happened for when i was when i was little so it was all kind of quite quite yeah dramatic as everyone's completely gone off on one and ready to burn people at the stake and or hang them or it's all it's a lot <laughs> Mm. Um, yeah yeah this is where we really get the mob mentality Um, because like you said Ava we don't see that so much at the start it's not quite like the Wicker Man say where you have this really closed insular community that um, clearly distrusts Sergeant Howie from the start Um, yeah no they're, they're like some of them they seem a little bit suspicious of the newbies but they're also like quite happy to welcome them in as friends of friends of twits yeah 
and um but yeah this is this is the point of they do they do go <laughs> they do definitely go over over the edge into the kind of um, stereotypical pitchfork wielding mob because to be fair they are being preyed upon by a kind of like vengeful spirit <laughs> yeah well, i guess the same question we had with the rats um in the last podcast as to whether this is really them Mm. Or whether this is the kind of evil, malign influence of Jupiter. Yeah. Mm. And like a, a, a coincidence of Audrey's different bits of childishness have accidentally given the impression of her being a lot less trustworthy than than we would we would have her in general. You know, it does make sense. You know, she does threaten Alison's edge. Yeah. Um, she does like seem to not trust Madame Akikuyu even after she completely like saves the whole town from being from hiding in the yeah hiding underground all summer and all of these things they do just add up and you can kind and then it is it is the corn dolly that she made Mm. and if you've got someone who's saying that corn dolly was a was a evil idol of some kind and then it does come alive you know there is I'm not saying that anyone should ever be burnt at the stake (laughs) But I am saying that I can understand how that that kind of terror and and mentality could easily latch onto something. And Audrey's had some real bad luck. <laughs> Never going to make a corn dolly around you either. It, it's fine. You can make as many corn dollies as you want. But if they reanimate later, <laughs> I may I may want to keep my distance. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> not gonna not almost certainly not going to burn you. Okay. At the stake, <laughs> but. I, oh, I know we won't have a good rapport between <laughs> co-hosts on this. <laughs> I probably won't burn you at the stake, Adam. I think oh. we're at that point in our relationship where yeah. I can say firmly, that, I probably won't burn you. At- that's like when I spend the night on the streets um, talking to, I'm really engaging um, and charismatic, but obviously quite troubled, paranoid, schizophrenic guy um, who is homeless and actually kind of looked after me. Um, for the night um but one of the first things he said to me was oh, don't worry i'm not gonna stab you in the face <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the least reassuring things anyone's ever said to me on first meeting <laughs> well, i once um i once did a hitchhiking trip with some some folks um and and there was three of us which is a hard group to to hitch with because obviously like you do definitely outnumber anyone who gives you mm. a lift and we'd been waiting for ages for a lift and this really lovely lovely woman gave us a lift and the whole time that she was like moved she was moving like giant boxes of stuff out of her back seat so that we could come and sit with her and the whole time she was just going like i just hope you don't kill me i just really hope you don't kill me <laughs> and i'm like oh no like don't don't give us a lift it's all right like i, I really don't want you to be that scared in your own car um, I think, to be fair, that she could have taken us. She was an Ironman triathlete. It, we, mm. we found out later. And, and, and um, to be fair, for yeah. all you know, she had a load of bodies in those boxes. In those boxes, yeah. yeah. I mean, she didn't kill us, we didn't kill her. I like to think it was a, a pretty solid interaction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the model of society that we want going forward. <laughs> podcast standards have slipped. <laughs> <laughs> Once you're exposed to that much horror, eventually <laughs> you're just glad to escape from any situation alive. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the effect of reading Robin Jarvis. Clearly, <laughs> it's a very high body count. It's like a slasher, isn't it? <laughs> a lot of people who die. I mean, I, I know that like all of the rats in Deptford get killed at the end of the last one, but most of that does happen off screen. Mm. Whereas here... It's targeted one by one. Yeah. Get to know them a little bit, then... Then they're boom. gone. They're gone. It's full. It's worse than Game of Thrones, I reckon, um, for, for body count of people who you think are probably going to survive. Like, um, I mean, you don't expect that like the mouse who has almost got killed by an owl <laughs> to then be strangled by a, an animated corn dolly. Like. Yeah, and, like, they've, they've set up, they've even had like the kind of like, oh, they're destined to be together. The green mouse said that they're supposed to be together. It's no, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> going to get killed. <laughs> going to get strangled by a corn dolly, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, I was... 
I shouldn't, you know, I should know Jenkin better than this after the last book, but I was thinking, oh, may, may, maybe, yeah. maybe he'll come back, True. you know? Like, yeah, may, maybe Jenkin just, will return. Yeah, you should, I think Jenkin was the one that shocked me the most, because mm. because that had been set up, you know, there was like a kind of like, oh, right, they're supposed to end together, so I can probably rely on that happening by the end, but no, just, Yeah. And Alison ends up distraught by this, and yeah, I don't know. It's, uh... And yeah, and Alison seemingly yeah. ends the book. I mean, we'll see if she returns in the next one. Well, I doubt it. And she just ends the book mm. broken and having retreated into a world of her own fantasy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, the, yeah, the book is genuinely heartbreaking, which I think is quite a... Uh, impressive um yeah i mean i i I think the story of madame akakuyu in this is genuinely quite tragic yeah Mm. yeah 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 i mean it is it is kind of like quite a quite a sharp turn from her being friends with audrey and i I mean audrey is really really obnoxious to her (laughs) but then immediately like falls for Nicodemus you know falls for this first like person that is offering something and offering power and she remembers that you know that was what got her before like she was corrupted by this desire for magical power and and she just falls for it straight away and yeah yeah it's sad you know I've forgotten where we were what happens um, we, next? <laughs> we were at um Twitter about to burst through the crowd and invoke the gallows law to to marry offer to marry Audrey and therefore have her protected by the green laws so they can't murder her yeah Mm. yeah twits thorough legal knowledge of the (laughs) green legal system yeah yeah um which has not been revealed at any point prior to this um but suddenly comes in very handy um so they do an impromptu wedding ceremony which um requires various mousy requirements um including someone to bless both parts of the couple and no one will step forward to bless audrey but uh, madame akikuyu does it yeah um in quite a tender moment uh, yeah because she's still she, you know having having like moments ago been like conspiring yeah. to kill yeah. kill audrey like remembers that she loves audrey and she cares for audrey and it's like no actually i'm gonna bless this Bless this marriage, and um, and that which handily, as well as protecting legally, for, uh, protecting Audrey from the gallows, it also binds her up in the green laws, which we've already discussed, protect her from Nicodemus's praying hands. Mm. So, in order to satisfy Nicodemus, um, Akikiyu has to choose another victim, and she goes to Alison and says that she's going to cast her. A terrible spell on Audrey and and gets Alison to help what she thinks is mm. helping her cast this spell um, and binds her up in the ritual. Alison having thrown away her mouse brass out of like just yeah sheer horror at the death of um, Jenkin who yeah she realised that she had loved all along. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the ritual the ritual happens um, involves Madame Akikuyu's um, crystal ball and just before it's complete she realises in horror that Nicodemus's true identity is Jupiter um, so uh, I'll just read her which is revealed like partly through the fact that she has started changing colour Mm. Um, and I actually awkwardly had a brief moment of like, like she's like, oh, she's got to get orange, orange and brown stripes. She Garfield <laughs> was actually my first instinct. Which <laughs> ruined the moment for me. I think that was my bum moment, um, if you will. Oh no! The, uh, climax of this book was just having a brief, like, kind of like image of Garfield. Anyway. <laughs> we, we discussed this on Jupiter Twitter the other back. week, didn't we? That you stan Garfield. 
I do stand Garfield. Yeah, yeah. I am. I am apparently a uh, a generation younger than I thought I was, according to one particular Twitter. Because of your love of Garfield, my, my the nature of my leftist politics and my fondness for Garfield, <laughs> which I think is fair. You know, I'm going to take um, hmm. being suddenly made 13 years younger <laughs> um, by an internet meme. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um. Sorry for bringing Garfield into this. You're <laughs> about to do quite a strong dramatic reading. Madam Akikuyu thought of the eternal torment that lay before her should Jupiter take possession of her body. She let go of Alison and shouted, Mouselet, my friend, it is I who have choice. I will not serve you again. Akikuyu is free. With one terrific leap, Madam Akikuyu cast herself into the middle of the fire. The rat's ginger fur became black once more. As the blaze roared up, Akikuyu's voice was heard one last time from the heart of the flames. Akikuyu tried so hard, Mouselet, and with that she died. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I love the, the double play of her ginger fur becoming black once more, <laughs> and it's like, you're like, oh, no, the magic is doing Oh, no, wait, that's fire. <laughs> um, it's oh. a really, really, really lovely detail. She tried so hard. Yeah, and she does, and she does. She makes the right call at the end, but the yeah. right call, it turns out, is to to sacrifice herself in that. Like people are really doomed by the choices they make, you know, in this in this mm. book. Like little little bits of evil build up and and yeah, make horrible messes for people. Mm. It's very unforgiving. Yeah, it's a pretty bleak vision, really. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure everything um, will turn out happily in the next book, and all the dear dead mice <laughs> will come back. I'm just assuming it's just going to be a complete wasteland, <laughs> like the entirety from Deptford up to Fennywold is just all going to be burnt to ashes by the end of the final book. Like. Um, yeah, so the fire spreads to the cornfield, uh, all the mice run to escape the burning hall of corn. But the drought finally ends and the fire's put out by a huge downpour of rain. Uh, not before we get another addition to our body count. The um, the king of the field. Yeah, the king of the field sacrifices himself to save Isaac Nettle. And I'm just like, no, he's he's just been awful throughout. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that means he deserves to like burn in the... I mean, I don't know. King, 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 King of the Field, Mr. Woodruff. King of yeah. Mr. Woodruff has generally been really solid throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Um, a, a strong voice of reason um, and quite kind to the outsiders and, and all of that sort of thing. And just, yeah, sacrifices himself to try and save save his, uh, his folk. It's a bit, bit monarchist, this old... Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, and... Uh... They bury Madame Akikuyu in a place where a ray of sun will shine on her grave. So sweet. (laughs) Yeah. It's so sweet. Like, so for all of we've just been complaining about how bleak this is, like the, the, (laughs) the description of Madame Akikuyu's race resting place and the fact that like people go there to make wishes. And if the sun is shining right at just the right point when they ask, they come true. And like, that's, it's, it's lovely. It's really lovely. That's my kind of countryside. Mm. I mean, I don't mean like magical dead rats <laughs> <laughs> necessarily, but yeah, um, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a really lovely, lovely touch. Yeah. Um, so Audrey and Arthur leave Fennywold um, for, forever. Yep. Despite the fact that Audrey just got married, like yeah. full breach of the green laws. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Audrey abandons her new husband, and like, and he does seem quite sad. Like, he's very like William Scuttle mm. is a just a love. <laughs> like, he's so, got their hand in their heart. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like throughout this whole thing, like, he's just constantly pulling pulling stuff out of the bag to to, to save people and. Yeah, such a sweetheart, and like, is clearly quite tearful at not not being with Audrey, which is entirely <laughs> unprecedented, and there's mm. no foreshadowing. And um, but yeah, he he sees her on her way, and after having saved her, and yeah, I don't know. Mm. Just I just want to yeah, 
Just want to give him a cuddle. Yeah, I just want to give my, my, my boy William <laughs> a, a cuddle. <laughs> William Scuttle, mostly known as Twit um, throughout the book. But at this point, like, I, I like that Audrey, Audrey calls him William as she's saying goodbye. Mm. I think that that's a nice touch of the fact that like the name is just entirely unjustified. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. Anyway. So he's quick thinking enough to to know the way he's an that... expert in green law. Yeah, <laughs> like, like... What are the odds? Right, should we now do texture of the week? Oh, well, we're just nearly, no, we're nearly the, at like, the end. like terrifying coda. Yeah. So right yeah. at the end, Alison, playing with the soot black and crystal ball that had been used in the ritual. Uh, she discards it, it rolls down the bank and cracks, and like the last line of the novel, a hidden great shadow rose up from the ditch behind her. Jupiter soared in, into the sky, free at last from the crystal prison. Mm. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh, oh. Um, Interesting choice now, to have the um, book name dropped right at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, think it, I, don't, I don't think I've ever encountered that before no i think it's i i I really like that this this marble has has traveled so far and gone through so much and like my 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 assumption is that when um in the lone in the dark portal there's a ritual on blackheath common that involves the marble and my my assumption is like a chunk of jupiter gets left behind in it from there that's kind of carried through yeah, and was, like a Horcrux. Yeah, so when mm. when he got burnt and sent up into a phylactery, um, if you don't watch Harry Potter. Um, uh, sorry, <laughs> being weirdly smug about not reading Harry Potter apparently is enough to uh, completely distract me from my point. But yeah, so so Jupiter's soul like goes up into sky and, and is burnt away successfully by the, um, the builder. Um, the unnamed builder, but mm. because something of his has been kept in the uh, mm. kept in the crystal prison, and then all of these spells, I quite like the fact that like throughout in Nicodemus slash Jupiter is calling on various like unnamed, unexplained evil spirits with odd names and mm. um, and the the darkness between the stars at one point <laughs> is part Ooh. of one of his spells, and I like that. Um, and yeah, and so presumably now he's all of the, bar- uh, the the spirit that was up in the sky got put into the prison along with the rest of them, and now he's escaped, setting us up to know what the big bad is in the uh, in the final book at least. Because mm. I was quite, I I quite liked. Sorry, I'm jumping around quite a bit, but mm-hmm. I quite liked. I I briefly thought they set up the 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 tree bowl that Mahout lives in at the beginning as being like a a dark and ominous place where the mice shouldn't go near like the dark portal and the grill mm. was in the first book but that's not it at all like it's immediately to be revealed an owl that is is quite quickly done in by Madame Akikuyu and it's like it I like that the book doesn't doesn't make it obvious that it's going to be the same kind of story as last time mm. that's another unpleasant uh, part isn't it that Mahout gets seemingly beaten to death by the mice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Mahout, it's just an owl. <laughs> like, I get that, like, we're seeing this from the perspective of mice, and mice are the victims of owls, but... Yeah. Like, he just gets a horrible time Add out of Add that to the body count. I mean, as well as also the... Uh, Frog, fish, and baby bird. Frog, fish, baby birds. Just they're yeah. just done in like a frog boiled, boiled to back to its bones. Must be alive. No, Ooh. you can't. You can't trick Nicodemus with an old, uh, three day old dead frog. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Speaking of three day old dead frogs, <laughs> shall we do? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's a fair segue. Yeah, that's strong. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I've got, I've got um, my guitar because, it. you know, this is sort of folksy, oh, isn't yeah. it? Oh. Yeah. Texture. Yeah. Oh, texture. Oh, texture. Oh, texture. Okay. Okay, right. 
Um, yeah, that happened. <laughs> Who was going first? Um, well, I've got quite a nice one this time because you two did nice ones last time and I did a horrible one. I thought I'd do a nice one this time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, arguably, it's more of a consistency uh, than a texture, but... <laughs> I don't think that's stopped us in the past. Consistency, <laughs> consistency of the week. Right, we've, we've, uh, we've, we've led you in there. Okay. Uh, the, the floor of the ditch began to get softer. Instead of dry, choking dust, it had become a rich brown mud, which yielded under her little pink feet like a dark fruit cake that had been cooked too quickly. The surface was crusty, yet underneath it was still gooey and spongy. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah, mud pie. <laughs> cool. Uh, over? Um, mine's actually similar to last time. I just can't get over London at night, apparently. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so mine is actually the, uh, the paint on Greenwich Pier. <laughs> We go. The rippling river was dark and cool air drifted lazily up from its shimmering surface. It was a clear, clean night, pricked all over by brilliant stars. Greenwich Pier huddled over the lapping water like a tired old lady. Its timbers were creaky, its ironwork rusted, and yellow paint flaked and fell from it like tears. Ooh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so good that that was also my texture of the week. Oh, oh sorry. No, 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 it's good. It's good when I, th- I, I think unanimous textures are, are, unanimous. Okay. are a good thing. Okay. But I did do a backup texture because I thought yes. that one was so good that someone <laughs> yeah. else would pick it. Um, <laughs> um, which is also a very nice texture um, because I uh, just really was really, very, very taken by their nests in the Hall of Corn, um, which... Um, we kind of had to skip over for expediency, but um, they they build this very elaborate structure to um to sleep in in the summer, um, and um, and I think it's kind of stories of of nests. Um, they can climb up onto them, and um, this is Audrey in her nest. It says her nest was sm- snug and warm, and the moss which lined it was soft and scented. She nuzzled down into the cool, fragrant feathering which smelt of the green earth and shady forests. That's just lovely. Yeah. I think it's good that when we've focused on just how horrific the book is, that actually we've all gone for quite lovely and mm. like nice textures. Yeah, because it is yeah. a often a very pretty book, despite yeah. all the abject horror. I did, I did do a claim of the week. or um, a, a claim, claim of the week. Of- um, I, I don't know if I saw it. Do you have a claim? I do. I don't. Um, it's mostly just Isaac um, and his notions about offending the green mouse. He says about Audrey's corn dolly, Thy craft speaks for itself. It is a blasphemous effigy and mocks the design of the green mouse. <laughs> I think that's quite a claim. <laughs> Which is a claim because for all we know, the, uh, the green mouse or God actually does look like a giant corn dolly. We've got a picture of the green mouse. In oh, this oh, one. okay. Well, incidentally, yeah, no, there is an illustration um, of the green mouse. I don't know why I am searching for it when we are on a podcast. <laughs> and nobody can see what I am looking at. Okay, um, can you describe is, it? Um, oh, just leaf, just a giant leafy mouse, like got a, a face, a big, a big leafy mouse face in the sky. Yeah, a big old smile and a little crown of crown of reeds and stuff, and yeah, it's all it's all just. Mm. It looks like a jolly soothing man. I can imagine the green mouse sounding a bit Brian Blessed, or like the green mm-hmm. giant, um, maybe. Yeah, ho ho ho. <laughs> yeah, we can see that. Uh-huh. I can see that. Yeah. You can't see that because you're listeners to a podcast, and that's not how podcasts work. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um. Maybe we can put that image in. It might help. Now that I've made such a big deal out of it. Um, so, yeah, um, as we're um, we're going to the end, um, we now have a few uh, threads unwrapped up for for the last book. What was the last book called? I don't know. Um, oh. I've been. 
I ordered it. All the mice are dead. The death of Deptford, maybe. No, here we go. The final reckoning. Okay. The final reckoning. See, that does sound ominous. Yeah. So for the final reckoning, we have Thomas Triton, Midship Mouse, and his heavily hinted at backstory. Um, yeah, he, there was a name, wasn't there? He calls he yeah. calls Oswald by by the wrong name at one point, or impossibly to it. Yeah, um, he claimed um, he claimed in this book that a certain ghost had been put to rest, uh, but the Star Wife warns him against entwining reality and memory so closely. <laughs> so I think we have that to look forward to. Um, Piccadilly was um, left quite abruptly oh it's so it was sad like i mean there was a bit of me that was like oh god straight people are so boring <laughs> but like audrey audrey and piccadilly like failing to uh, failing to confess their love to each other yeah um at the big old dance to celebrate um oswald getting well um and oh it's it were cross purposes and audrey says that she's grumpy and piccadilly says all right well i'm gonna head out and neither of them Oh, anyway, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do grumble over teen drama a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm hoping for some some Piccadilly resolution. Yeah, yeah, we better get more Piccadilly. And um, Audrey's Destiny. Yes, her her special role. She, no, has she not had enough Destiny already? I, I don't think she has. I no, think she has more, more Destiny, Destiny to come. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's the rest of the... the Orpheo and Eldritch's prophecies because yeah. some of them some of them have come true but we haven't seen all of it and I think there's more more stuff that was seen in the uh, crystal the crystal ball in mm. the beginning but I have forgotten details of those and and just more death generally there's just there's probably going to be some more death mm. <clears throat> yeah do you reckon ever, do you reckon our main crowd are all going to survive Mm. Probably not. Probably not. I think someone's. I mean, Arthur could go. He's a bit expendable. Arthur, <laughs> Arthur yeah. Mm. I reckon their mum might go, and I think that's going to break me. Oh. oh. Um, oh, no. um. It's going to be really horrible. Can Thomas you imagine if they get back home, and then after all that, Oswald died? <laughs> you didn't look after Madame Akakuyu. What did you expect to happen? Oh no! Just like. He fell off a banister. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, they no. come home and the like town, their house is going to be demolished, isn't it? Because oh, like God. it is just like an empty building. Like yeah. there's a slight implication at the beginning of the Dark Portal that they're effectively squatters. Yeah. Um, uh, and like I wonder whether the council are just going to come in. And, I mean, it would be a bit. <laughs> I'm not expecting the baddie in the final book to be the council. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> that feels like more of a that Jana Wynne Jones thing. Um, but yeah, um, I feel like we might have to read like a litany of names at the end of the third episode <laughs> of all our fallen characters. Um, the mouse day of remembrance. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but mm, yeah, that's made me sad. Sorry. Well, I'll, I'll tell my, my final thing that made me laugh was yeah. um. Was when um, Mr. Woodruff, the uh, king of the field, was getting very fed up with Isaac Nettle, and he said, "You're talking out of your hat, Nettle." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is... we should use that more. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Yeah, we. So, thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, thank you to Ava for joining us yeah, again. Thank you. Thanks for having Thanks. me. Um. And uh, our intro music's by Maki Yamazaki. Our outro music's by Joe Kelly. Our artwork's by Letty Wilson. You can find us on Twitter at StillScaredPod or email us at StillScaredPodcast at gmail.com. Adam, have you been reading the emails? Not, not, I mean, I have in the past. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm too scared to look. Not, yeah, I mean, I haven't checked the last two weeks or or so okay okay well that's fine that's relatively up to date i was i mean neither of us had checked it for i mean I, I doubt there's been i mean it, it'll be maybe there is maybe there's been an avalanche of mail the last couple i've opened up and you know mm. cool lots of angry cool. angry okay. emails saying why haven't you replied to me <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, and you can also leave us a rating or review on iTunes. I noticed a couple of people had, so uh, thanks. Oh, really? Thanks for that. Yeah, well, we had a couple more um, more ratings. Oh, that's nice. Oh, thank you. Were, were they good? <laughs> uh, one one five star, one three star. Which okay. I think is is fair. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> I think we we, we, we hover star. between. I think we're hover between the two. Is fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're both five star to me. Oh. <laughs> um, well, I don't have iTunes, so I haven't rated or reviewed you. Okay. <laughs> But I just did then. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's got to count for something. Although yeah. it counts more if you do actually put it on, on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just saying it to your phone or um, device is also, I guess, welcome. <laughs> that's, that's everyone. That's rate and review. <laughs> by saying what you think about the podcast into your phone right now. Yeah, I mean, to be... Give you a little bit of time. Alexa will probably yeah. sort out for you or whatever. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. I think listeners. we try our best. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're quite good. Yeah. You should, should probably stop getting such ridiculous guests on. <laughs> um, do you have a sign off for us, Adam? Oh, um, yeah. Sleep well, mouselets, and don't get turned into owl pellets. <laughs> Sound advice. <laughs> See you next time, speaky kids. Bye. Bye.